And welcome back. This is season two of the Golf Intervention Podcast. My name is Eric Layton. I'm here with my co-host, Rob Fails. It is just after New Year's, January 2nd. We know everybody is fired up to play better golf in 2024. Rob Fails, are you fired up to play better golf in 2024? I am fired up, and I'm fired up for all of my students who are fired up to play better golf as well. I think that's the name of the game. I mean, I will say that I've learned over time, like, you can get people fired up. It's easy to motivate people. And this time of year, motivation is, I mean, it's, like, easy to find. Everybody's motivated. Go to, go to the local gym and see how many people are in there today. On- all the gym owners are just absolutely throwing a party right now they're loving it because so people are motivated but it but it's interesting because i've been down this road with a lot of my students is like you want to get them fired up and you want to get them motivated and you want to say you could do better and you can do better but the truth is and we've been talking about this that really isn't gonna that's not really the deal now motivation is good it can start a fire yes but the long term here is more of a dedicated um, habit driven disciplined approach to improvement right so it's like everybody joins the gym they want to they want to get in shape who knows is it vanity is it health wise is it whatever Uh, maybe my pants aren't fitting due to lots of christmas cookies whatever the story is okay (laughs) so i'm motivated and that can be fleeting right so if that motivation doesn't turn into purpose-driven habits that drive us towards change behaviors what are we going to do? Yeah. We're going to, it's just going to go away. Everybody knows this, right? So I'm fired up because here's the truth. I'm always fired up. You are. I'm always 100% fired up. 100% of the time. I'm always fired up. That's what I bring each and every day. And so I, I, I think the thing that fuels me there is that there is, there is a, there's a way to get better at this game. That's our job. We do it every day. Um, and I've seen it. I saw it today. I mean, people are taking lessons still. It's cold outside. I had seven lessons today. People were good. I was telling you before we came on the air. And if you've, if you haven't listened to season one, I think we did nine episodes. It was kind of a series on, you know, the, the ways that you can get better at this game. Why doesn't anybody get better at this game? We, we, we laid out some answers to that. And one of them was, which you detailed great, was just description of body, body type. And he walked in and he said, I'm a wide Eric. I'm a wine. And I was like, awesome. and I was like, A, thanks for tuning in. How did you hear about it? Yes. B, that's awesome. It gave him an awareness. Right now I've got an awareness of what's Context. going on. Yeah. So good. And it actually helped the lesson a ton. He he did great. It's gonna be a great year for him. So we're back with season two and we're fired up. And you know, as we were talking before, it is the new year. And, you know, a lot of people shut it down. We're in the middle Atlantic. I mean, people kind of know. If you're listening to us internationally, which we have plenty of international listeners, which is pretty cool. I'm fired up about that, too. Um, But here in the middle Atlantic, it gets cold this time of year. I mean, they're calling for snow, I think, where you are. Robbie's a little west of me. I think you're going to get potentially a decent snowstorm in a few days. We're going to get rain here. But the fact of the matter is people can shut it down this time of year. And we brought up this, I actually don't remember if we talked about this on an episode or if it was the episode we ended up not releasing. We'll call it the Secret Archives episode. The Lost. The Lost Episodes. (laughs) Um, We talked about this term periodization. And I know you and Ian talked about that as far as like ramping up for an event, right? 
Um, but periodization of your season, to you know, and this is your off season, and it's a really good time to work on your game. Not for, and to your point, and you've made this point to me, you don't do it for the sake of doing it. Like, I'm not making swing Correct. changes because it's the winter and I want to make swing changes. Tis, literally, one of my students just uh, said, tis the season for swing changes. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> that's not why we do things. No, tis the season for, you know, trick or, for uh, for hot chocolate and peppermints and stuff. But yes, it, like with anything, there's a, there's a, there's a performance equation in golf, and that's what we're trying to help you understand. There's there's the balance on the side of the equation of what what, what my inputs are going to be, what I'm really going to work on. It doesn't mean a full swing change in the winter. But what it does mean is if I need to work on, say, my short game skills or my iron dispersion patterns or my centerness of contact on my wedge play, like there's something that you should be working on that you've determined is going to help you play better. And this is just a great time of year to do it because you – because you're not out there playing in the member guests and you don't have a $2 Nassau every third day, like you can practice and work and, and not have to be so, you know, put it into the context of play right away. Um, and you can be a little bit more patient with how those things play out. So it's just a good time. Uh, I'm excited for, um, I've got a bunch of lessons lined up. A bunch of people have sort of signed up to work on their game this winter. And I'm, and I'm excited to kind of play that out. It's been fun. We're taking a long view in a lot of lessons. We said before yep. that many, many people who take lessons take lessons. This is one of the reasons we were talking about why people don't get better. They tend to take lessons only when they've gotten worse. Mm. Right and and right now no one really cares about that. I'm getting I'm getting the full like hey here's how the season played out. This is what I like. This is what I didn't like. And so hey if if I'm planning on taking six six lessons over the next three months or two months or whatever, man we can just have a long view of what's going on right now. We're not playing this weekend. We're not. We can just kind of chill out a little bit and take our time with what we're doing. And that's been that's been really fun. Have you been seeing that with some of your students as well, Rob? You know, a lot of people don't understand that periodization curve where if you haven't seen it before, it's okay. I'll just try to describe it as best I can. The graph starts out pretty flat and then it increases, continues to increase, and then it starts to plateau. It gets to a peak and then it starts to fall off a little bit, right? So kind of when you're falling off, when it's kind of at the back half of that curve after the peak, that's when the performance really kicks in. It's really the the ramp up. It's that upward slope of the curve is that really when we have the most opportunity to develop skill, mm-hmm. which is right now, which is in the off season. Because once the spring hits, once the good weather hits, everybody's playing golf. Everybody's going out there wanting to perform. Yep. So now is when you got when you got to get the uh, get the dirty work done. Now's the time, people. And you know what's interesting is we're going to talk today's episode. I should have brought this up five minutes ago. Today's episode, we're going to talk about five ways that you're five things you're probably not doing currently. Now, I know everybody's different. So many of you have done at least some of these, not all, some of them, but five probably ways that you things you haven't done that can lead to much better golf in 2024. So we're talking about changing behaviors. Again, we're kind of going back to that. Like, what haven't I done? Like, if I've, if I've plateaued and I'm not getting better, what can I do differently for this year? So we want to give you with this episode some different things to think about, something else to sink your teeth into. And I was thinking about this, and we were talking about it before we came on the air. It's like most things that we do, you say, well, Eric, I want to get better. 
It's easy. I'm really motivated. I've got, I've got uh, my New Year's resolution is to be better at golf. So I know the answer. I'm just going to do more golf. I'm going to practice more. I'm going to play more. And I'm going to get better. And, you know, and things like, here, I'll give you some things I've done. I play the guitar. And so if I made a resolution like, hey, you know what? I'm going to spend the next six months playing more, learning more, maybe taking a lesson. Guess what? I'm going to get better at playing the guitar. I know I am. And if I want to get in shape and I'm disciplined and I work out and I put more time in the gym and I spend more time and energy on my diet, guess what? I'm going to get in better shape. But golf seems to be a little more elusive because I see a lot of people putting a lot of time into it. And for some reason, it's pretty hard to improve just by putting more effort. In fact, more effort isn't really a, it's really not a correlation necessarily to be, to playing better. I mean, so not necessarily. I said, I saw you kind of go, yeah, more time is important, but we could put more time in and not see that. So it can be, it can be, I would say, I would say time in of itself is not a high correlation. I mean, I can put more time in and get worse. Yes, Absolutely. (laughs) So there you go. So, I mean, yeah. what I'm saying is there, it isn't a directly proportional, like if you were graphing time and golf improvement, no, they yeah, would not run. Yeah. You, you would love to say that's think, the case, but it just is not the, word the case. Effort, I think the word effort is tricky because when you think of the way that most people practice, and we've talked about this in, in season one, is that we like to practice in a way that makes us feel good. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot of effort put into that learning environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it takes some effort to have a learning environment that is good for you for your improvement. Yeah, it's so it's think, uncomfortable too, right? Like yes. that, yeah. And and I guess getting in shape is kind of that way. You know, like you've got to you got to kind of get a little uncomfortable with what you do, push yourself over the edge a little bit um, to get there. So what is that? What are these things that we we may not be doing that are not common with golfers? What are those things? So I'm going to start with number 1 here. Um, and this is one that you and I, I mean, I've been on this for many, many years, okay? And that's just keeping stats. Now, we're going to go, if you want to go back into a deep dive into metrics, again, go back to season one. I think episode two is kind of where we go through that. But most folks are not keeping any kind of statistics when they play. And someone told me today we're keeping stats. I was like, cool, How are you, what are you using? He said, I'm using the Gin app. So I went on and looked at it. You know, golfer Gin is where you keep your handicap. And Gin does have a a little bit of a stat tracking. I looked at it, Robbie. It's just basically fairways hit. Oh, you put your score in. Yeah. Have you looked at that on Jen? So it's it's fairways hit. Briefly. If you miss the fairway, you you like mark an arrow where you missed it, like I guess long, short, left or right. And then it's oh, cool. it's greens hit and the same thing. If you miss, you put long, short, left or right. And yeah. then it's total putts. And that's that's all it is. Okay. So at least that's, that's the basics, right? Hey, at least it's a jumping off point. I mean, obviously, green. I'm thinking greens and regulation. To me, greens and regulation. Everyone should be tracking this. It's Definitely it? the stickiest yeah. of those three. Yeah. yeah. We got to. We got now. Fairways hit. Some people will say is an irrelevant stat, and I just I simply don't think that's true, especially for slower swing speed players. Like slower swing speed players have a hard time getting out of the rough. So and they hit it shorter. Mm. So if they're hitting it in the that's rough, cool. yeah. If they're hitting it in the rough, like. <laughs> I can see a tour player yeah. who's like, oh, yeah, I mean, Brooks Kepka never hits the fair. Well, yeah, okay, fine. He's hitting the sand wedge out of there. But Mr. Smith, who's, you know, has a has a 64-mile-an-hour driver swing speed and is hitting yeah. at 140 carry 
rolls it in the rough and then he's hitting a hybrid out of there man it no, is hard fairways like, are definitely a thing yeah like, even i was even thinking for uh for level three golfers where they need to start making more birdies yeah like when you start thinking about hitting it inside 20 feet like fairways pretty important in predicting what your golf ball is going to yeah be. so i think there's some schools of thought out there that's completely negate fairway fairways hit is the lowest score that yeah i think that's not not Correct. I think on yeah. the PGA Tour, there on the PGA Tour, there may be some validity to saying that because their swing speed is so high, right? But yep. when you're talking about the people that are probably listening to this, yeah, hitting it. And if I hit it, if I have a slower swing speed and I'm hitting it in the rough, that's meaning I'm probably making some 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 face issue contact. That's that's because right. I'm not hitting it so far that I shouldn't be able to keep it in the fairway. So that right. that's also a correlator there. Now. If you really want to improve at golf, I think trying to find a more comprehensive way to track your stats in 2024 is imperative. It's imperative for some of the other things we're going to talk about here. I was thinking about this the other day. If I were to be coaching someone who, and I would never do this because this is not my area of expertise, right? But if someone came to me or came to a coach, let's say I'm a coach of a triathlete. Okay, so the triathlete comes to me and says, hey, in the event I'm doing, you know, my time is I'm going to make up a number two hours, you know, total. And I'm doing these three things, swim, bike, run. And then my total time is two hours. That's my best. Um, And I need to, you know, I need to do 137 to qualify for whatever. But I would say, okay, well, what are your split? You know, what was your swim? What was your bike? What was your? And they would say, oh, I don't know. I just, I literally just start the stopwatch when I start swimming, <laughs> and then when I cross the finish line, I just turn the stopwatch off, and then I look at my time and I add it up. Right? Like that's kind of what it's like in golf. If you're not trying to keep some stats on what you're doing, all you know is that you tee off when you're hitting your first shot off the first tee. And then whenever you hole out on the last hole, you add it all up and then there's your score. Right. Right. Now you, you know how many birdies you've made and pars and stuff like that. So there is some underlying stuff, but the fact of the matter is if you want to improve at golf and the better you are at golf, the more important this is, You've got to focus your energy to figure out where I need to spend my time and what I need to get better at. So that awareness is huge. And if I have a convention that I need to work in something that I don't need to work on, that's a huge waste Mm -hmm. of time too. So how many times, how many times have you seen a student come in and be like, Oh, my short game's good, but I just, I don't drive it very well. And you're like, no, 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 no. We played last week and your short game was not that good for the level you want to be and you drove it fine yes. like you, those are the things that you need to you have to have that self-awareness as a player i can't know where i'm going until i know where i'm starting correct and this is where i will shameless plug for GameForge because it will tell you for your skill level how good is good and you can look at the discrepancies between what you're doing and for your skill level where you need to be and you can work on those areas that are holding you back. So if you haven't looked into GameForge, do so. Do yourself a favor. Do your golf game a favor. Look into GameForge. It's the best way, in my opinion, to track your stats. So for those of you that don't know, it's an app, it's basically it's a, it's a web-based or app-based system. Um, and and you, can, you can input the data as you're playing on the app. Or you can keep track. When I put my data in, I just write a few things. That, well, you get used to what you need to track. 
and you write a few things down, and it's more detailed than just keeping track of the basics, right? Yes. So this is what will guide you to helping you get better. So those stats are important. Game Forge is a great one. There's some other ones where you use sensors in your clubs. Arcos is one. Um, you buy a sensor, and it goes in each of your clubs. And those are cool. I mean, I think they give you some very pertinent data as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for this, it really goes to one of the – one of the ones we're going to talk about here in a second um, is that you in in trying to get better, you need to be able to interpret the data or have a coach interpret the data with you. They're the ones that are going to help you guide yourself towards this this improvement. And so, keeping track of that is really the way that gets you there. So, if do you have anything else you want to add on keeping stats? I mean, I think we, I mean really here nope. we're encouraging. We have nothing, by the way, we have no interest in GameForge other than we like it. So that's, it's a good endorsement from us, right? Um, second of all, the second thing I think, second thing a lot of golfers don't do is make goals where they really believe they can get better, right? Like it's easy to just go like, I want to get better. I want to I want to get better. I want to I play yeah, too. And, it's really vague. And you know what's interesting? I had the guy, the guy that told me he was a wide today, which was awesome. But he's like, he's like, I'm an 18. You know, this this year I'd like to get maybe down to a 16. And I'm like, here's the story. Like, if you wanted to get down to a 16, we'd work on your we'd work on your putting for an hour, and we you you three putt two times less around, and you'd be a 16. Great. That's not that's not a that's not a growth mindset. Like, set a goal, mm. set a goal that's substantially bigger. Right, we, we've kind of separated golfers out into three levels, and leveling up is not easy, right? But maybe you try to level up. Maybe maybe you're a. He was an eighteen. I said, look, think about being a nine. Like believe in yourself a little bit here, okay? I believe you can be a nine. Think about that as a goal, and we can start to make a game plan around that. Try to be one or two shots better, unless you're a five or a four or three. Like those are they're a little bit better, and it's cool, but. I think try to be try to believe that you can be a lot better. I know I believe people can get better. I see it all the time, um, but I think it's good to make a substantial, realistic but substantial goal to play better. That way, you can start building a plan around that, a yes. comprehensive plan. One hundred percent agree. And one thing I want to share was a story actually from last year. We had a group of ladies who signed up for our Op Thirty Six for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't come to the first class. So they didn't get the whole spiel of like, you know, these are all par fours. You're trying to shoot 36 and whatnot. Right. So they come to the first event and it's on our par three course at Birdwood and they play. And I'll, I'll give you the background. There's as far as a skill level goes, they weren't necessarily much better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just, they were pretty much right on par with, with the group. They just didn't get the info from the first week. Right. And they come out and they happen to be all paired together and they, they turn in their scores and all but one of them passed. Mm-hmm. And the one that missed was just one or two strokes higher than, than, than 36. And so they turned their scorecards and they were all a little bit bummed. I'm like, you all passed. What's the, what's the deal? I was like, no, we didn't pass. It's a par three course. I'm like they're all, they're all par fours. Three of the four if you all pass. Like, oh, we were thinking that we had to make a three on every hole. So that's what we were going for. Right. And so, and so it was just hysterical that they, had, they didn't know any better. They were going for something that was 
much harder than right. what they f- actually needed to. And uh, as a group, they performed way better than the rest. And so you see it in other sports too. Like, yeah. you know, in, in, you know, Q school and PJ tour, like those golfers who show up saying, Oh, I just want to make the cut. Those seem to always be the ones that are right around the cut line. Right. And there's, I think there's something to that. Right. I was, I, I always heard this um, quote from the great Jerry Hogg, who's a, who's a um, incredible hall of fame head of the golf management program, former head of the golf management program, Methodist. And he would say, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time, you know, like yeah. set a goal, you know, make it substantial and go for it, you know? And that, and that's, we're not going to do a lot on goal setting. We, you know, people listen to this, like if you've been successful at things, you've set goals and you've accomplished them. But like, there's a little bit in golf of like accepting who they are. And, the, and we've talked about this too in the past, like, Oh, I'm just a guy that shoots, you know, I'm just a guy that shoots somewhere between 82 and 92. And that's just me. And I'm like, right. great. Let's be the guy that shoots 85 to 80, you know, to 92. Like, yeah. let's move the bar, you know, and you can, yes. you can do it. You can, you just got to believe that you can do it, you know? And sometimes people have imposter syndrome a little bit. Like they, they don't see themselves that way. Oh, absolutely. You know, they just don't see themselves in that light. And I'm always like, just believe you can do it. You can, you, you know, now, we want to be realistic. If you're a 30 handicap and you want to win the club championship in one year, maybe you could do that, but that might be tough, but build a program out, you know, and if you have a good coach, you could build that out over time. I remember there's a, there's a young lady, great announcer trying to think of her name. I should know it off. It's Iona. What's Iona's name? You know what I'm talking about? She's like the, I don't. She, she's like the side lot, sort of like the, She's sort of like the person that interviews the people on the DP World Tour when they come off the... Okay, okay. so Iona was a former LPGA Tour player who had an injury and she can't play anymore. She's got a great YouTube channel. Y'all should check it out. She plays golf and she's a phenomenal golfer. But Iona was a great athlete. I can't remember the sport that she was in, but as like a 19-year-old, she decided to... I don't know if it was 19. She was somewhere around, you know, high school, end of high school there. I'm going to be a professional golfer. In like three years, she was there. She was on the tour. (laughs) You know, Mm. she set out, hired a coach, set a plan. She's a great athlete. Boom, she accomplished it. It's like you can accomplish goals, but she's a phenomenal athlete, right? So, like, that was a reasonable thing for her to do. So whoever you are, think about what you want to do. Set a goal and go for it. I think that's a good thing in 2024. Okay, so Rob, you want to take this number three because I think this is a really, really good one. Do you have the, Do you have an app in front of you? You want me to go? When we read it, you got it. Okay, so number <laughs> three. Number three. Let, Rob is lounged back on his. Don't worry, you don't don't pick it up. I got you. Um, he is lounged on his couch, looking comfortable. <laughs> I'm like, this is. He looks good. Um, so, number three, and this one shocked me. I was doing a little research today, but. Um, According to a 2019 report from the National Golf Foundation, only 14% of golfers take any lessons at all. Any lessons at all. So in 2024, to play your best golf, try to commit to one lesson. If you've not, if you've not taken lessons, commit to taking one lesson. And here's what I want you to do. Like, find a good coach. Okay? Coaches have reputations. Okay, if you if you're not a you're not a member of a club and you kind of play golf public golf, which a lot of us do, um, 
find that find that coach with, coach with a good reputation. It's not hard to do. You can you can look at the the Golf Digest has lists of best teachers. I mean, you'll be able to find make some calls, talk to good players in your area. Um, go to a driving range or go to a you know go to a golf facility. I'm a proponent of that as opposed to like the strip mall golf instruction. Personally, I think you should have targets and and whatnot. But take a golf lesson. Okay, take a golf lesson in 2024. It is very, very hard to improve on your own. The greatest golfers of all time are lesson takers. I mean, it's very, I mean, Jack Nicholas with Jack Grout. The top two, right? Right. Tiger Woods, famous for taking, you know, he had all these different coaches that he worked with over time. They take lessons. Why? Because it is very, very hard to improve on your own. And when you find that relationship with a coach, it can really, really expediate and speed up and reduce the frustration in your performance. And I was laughing with a guy today. This is a different guy who came in, and he uh, he's someone I've been – I give him probably three, four lessons a year. He's back and forth between up north and in Florida and in and, and Richmond. Just a super nice guy. And he said, man, I've been listening to the podcast. I really like it. And, uh, and he said, I need, a little, I need a little fix before I go down to Florida for the winter. I'm leaving this weekend. I'm like, great. And and he was laughing because he about ten minutes later he said you're going to call the next episode the five minute fix because <laughs> he was in a great five minutes like you know we have this hour lesson and I said you know we're going to talk about coaching and this is a relationship that he and I have had for ten years right right so when he comes in I know his game I know yep. what's going on I mean it's not the diagnosis is not I don't have to get to know him like this relationship has played out over time so. Those are the things that I think really, really matter. If you find someone that you trust and that can you can really get to know you, that you can share your new stats with, share your new goals with, right? See where this is flowing to? I mean, this is flowing beautifully. I can now have this coach that helps guide me towards this efficient improvement process. What what do you think, Rob? Do you what do you think holds people back from taking lessons? I would say there's unfortunately probably some amount of ego involved just believing that you know best Mm -hmm. and you know that's that's unfortunate but i think it is a reality for for probably too many people i think there's maybe a, a a level of distrust i think for some aside from those two i mean monetary like lesson prices haven't gone down i think there's definitely that yeah, Those are the I ones think that's that, that come to mind. Yeah, I think that's I think that's it. I think it's time. I think it's you know, it it it's the how do I just find a coach? I think that I think that's the big I think the bit one of the big barriers yeah. there is how do I find someone that I can trust? Like if I wanted to really get in shape, you know, like I really like let's say I had a health issue and I was really wanting to get in shape. Finding a trainer that I would trust, I don't I'm not process, sure. I'd even, yeah. I don't even know how I'd start that. Like, I guess I, you know what I would do is I would ask ask around, ask people who yes. who I think would be in the know and get some names and try to search it. So there isn't a great way in golf to just find a, a great instructor, right? So you kind of you kind of start there. You know, like I said, reputation is big. Like some of the people that 
maybe are more available or lesser price or they, they might be that way for a reason or they're maybe they're just young and they're great teachers and that's that that can happen too because you you were that way you know rob rob fails was a steal for a long time because he was a great teacher who just who was young right and so as your reputation grows and you get busier then it's you know your, your price goes up but again some of that value is in just getting better faster, you know, and like Correct. having that, having that guidance along the way. So yeah, I, you don't need a thousand dollar an hour instructor. Not, not suggesting that at all. I mean, but um, plenty no, of good instructors I, for, for yeah. less than that. But I, I would say, you know, what, what can one lesson hurt anyway? You know, don't, don't go right. somewhere that's trying to sign you up for 20 lessons. Don't do any of that. Just yep. find, find a good, and here's what I would do, okay? If you're not a member of a club and you know there's a nice country club in the area, it's likely that nice country club has good instructors. It's it's very – do you know of a good, a nice country private club that doesn't have at least one good instructor? I mean, it really, they all do now. So maybe you have a friend that's a member. I mean, I can teach yep. non-members that are guests of members. Ask a friend, can you set me up with the teaching pro yeah. there or whoever you like? I mean – just do that and see how it goes. And if you want to reach out to right. us and ask where you are in the country, we have plenty of a network that we can help mix you up. So hit us up on Instagram or something. Send, send Robbie a DM on the Instagram. We can find some names. Yeah. For you. I mean, yeah. you and I did that for a young lady I teach the other day that was moving. And you, you got a name for me mm-hmm. in North Carolina for her. So, I mean, we do this for people all the time. So yes. we're, glad, we're glad to help the listener. That's why we're here. Take and then lesson. if you, uh, yeah, and then if you reference uh an episode we did in, in season one, understand what questions this coach should be asking you or what they should be doing for you is number one, they should be improving your awareness of why the ball is going where it's going. So if they have track man, if they have quad, if they have some way to measure the golf ball and or the club, that would be highly, highly recommended. Uh, because really that's, that's the, the, um, the first prerequisite as far as I'm concerned is like the, the biggest value add to having another set of eyes is to have another set of eyes. Like I really like the quote of like, how do you ever know when your brake lights are out? Yeah, right? exactly. Right. So I when think the cop, coaching, pulls, the cop, cop pulls you over. <laughs> right. And you don't want to have to wait until you get pulled over by the cop, like catch that before it turns into a real big problem. So I think, you know, Real big problems for me are, hey, I believe the ball's going right because it's off the heel. And then you go, you try to work on fixing heel strike, fixing heel strike, fixing heel strike. And then it turns into a really big problem. And then you go see a coach after it's too late and they show it to you and you're hitting it off the edge of the toe. And you're like, oh my gosh, how much time did I waste? How much energy did I waste? How much money maybe did I waste because maybe I thought I needed a new club, right? Right. Or how many golf balls did I have to buy trying to fix a problem that didn't exist? So I think coaching can be a great investment uh, for your game to keep you knowing if your brake lights are out. So I think awareness has got to be extremely high on the list of things to look for when you've got a coach. Yep. I I would totally agree. And the, uh, and I, and I would say in summary on this bullet point is golf instruction, and I can say this because I've been at it for 20-plus years now, golf instruction has improved a lot. I mean, yes. with, 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 the, with the ability to share information, just like anything else, 
you know, like this podcast, okay, we're, we're getting messages from instructors in England, right, saying, man, you're yep. really helping me as a coach. That's the stuff we like to hear, but we've learned, we, you and I learn from stuff like that. So instruction has improved. It is much more science now than it is philosophy, and that is helping people, okay? It yes. was 20-some years ago, everyone had their philosophy, and that could, re- that could really screw people up, you know, if they were putting mm-hmm. them into a convention that wasn't going to work for them. Right now, we, we have, I think, good, good coaches, and there's a lot of them have evolved past that. And so we are, we're in a good place with golf instruction. So that was number three. So we're, just a recap. We're going to keep stats, good stats. We're going to set goals and believe that we can get better, substantively better. We're going to commit to taking at least one lesson and see where that takes me this year. Okay, so those are our three. Number four is we're going to have our new, hopefully our new coach, um, but somebody, an expert, assess my equipment for me. You haven't done that probably if you're listening to this. What do you mean, assess my equipment? Well, we're going to take a look and see, does my equipment fit me? Is it helping me? Is it not helping me? Um, I, I see this every single day, and I, had, I have another story of this that happened just this week. But you can have equipment that's holding you back, and we don't want that to happen. We just want to – it's one of those things that you kind of just want to check it off the list. Like, yes. You know, it's, it's worth it's, it to check the box. Worth it to check the box. So we had this question. I haven't told you this story, Rob, and I and I gotta post. I gotta figure out how to send you this picture. Sure, you can maybe put it on the Instagram or something if people want to see it. But this this young member came in, new member, and he was motivated. Just got in the club, two year waiting list. Really excited. Um, played a lot of golf at nice clubs in Philadelphia when he was younger. Now he's probably mid thirties, working hard, young kids. Gets in the country club and he says, comes for a lesson. He says, "Man, I just want to get better." You know, I mean, I just, you know, I'm probably a twelve handicap now. I was probably a six as a kid. Like, you know, I want to get better this year. Okay, cool. I'm looking at his equipment. He's got great irons. It looks like he got them a couple years ago. Good tailor made irons, like really good for him. And um, and I'm like, oh, he's got some new. Yeah, got them fitted at such and such club. Great, awesome. Like things are going well. I'm watching him swing, and we're having the interview that you talk about. Robbie, who are we? Why are we here? What are our goals? Like, we're kind of going through all this. And he's and I'm like, well, how much do you practice? How much do you play? Not much. I'm a dad. I don't, you know, I travel for work. I work on – is that going to change? Is that going to change now that you're in the club? Are you going to put – you know, probably not. You know, being realistic, right? So it goes back in my mind. I'm like – not in the moment, but I'm hearkening back to we had that listener question, which was, can I get better at golf if I don't really practice or play? And my answer was, I bet it, maybe a driver fitting could do it. Maybe, right? Like if there's any one thing that could have a huge effect on my metrics, it could be a, it could be that if my driver doesn't fit me, maybe I could get one that really helps me out. So anyway, I'm watching this guy hit the ball, and he's got a really nice swing. Simple, hits the ball straight, iron plays really good, striping it. And then uh, he he goes, yeah, the big thing with me is I hook my driver. I just, you know, and I'm like, well, he's got good speed. So pull the driver out. It's an R7 dual, 20-plus <laughs> years old, right? Nice. Um, D-type, which if you remember, that's the draw head. Okay, draw bias head. Oh I'm like, gosh. oh, you missed this. You missed this lab, do you? <laughs> right? And oh I said, well, it is the D, it is the it is the D head, right? So that's the draw bias. He's like, oh, really? Interesting. I never knew that. Stiff what do you flex, think is, 65 like, grand. What do you think the D stood for? Distance or something? I don't know. I, 
I mean, I don't think he had any awareness. It was just it was his so old driver, funny. you know. And maybe when wow. he was a kid, he faded. You know, who knows? I mean, if he's had it for twenty years, his game has yeah. probably evolved, right? So maybe it was perfect for him back then. So we pull it out, we hit it. Yeah, he's definitely fighting it off. You know, fighting it off. And I said, "Here's the story. You have a good swing. Like you have a good swing. You got good athletic." He's swinging it at 103 on his driver, which is not bad, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, I think with your lack of time that you can put into it, you can definitely get better with getting a new driver. Just get yes. get fit for a new driver and see whatever. We can just do a fitting and test it out and see. So anyway, he went from carry 221 average, 256 total, to 259 carry, 288 Jeez. total. And way straighter, way straighter. So he's in now G430, okay? Yeah. Um, with an with an RDX Red Smoke 6.0, like, yeah. melting this thing. Every ball in the fairway, 280 plus. He's going to get better. Awesome. And so in between the driver fitting and the lesson, he came in and goes, hey, I played with my dad last week. I played really well. And I was like, well, that's cool. Um, I said, what, what do you think was, what was different? What was making you guys, you know what? I literally think you just telling me I had a good swing helped me a lot. He's like, I just sort of believed in myself a little bit more and I just hit the ball well. Love it. And I was like, value of coaching, yes. right? There, Absolutely. there is a perf, there is a performance equation, Robbie. There's a performance equation. It balances itself out. Okay. And part of that is coaching. Part of that is equipment. Yes. Part of that is goal setting. Part of that is body type. Part of that is mental approach. Part of that is strategy. Like, there's an equation. Okay, everybody has it. Everybody's made up of this. And if you can figure it out, like, we're not going to figure it all out on our own. I'm not going to figure mine all out on my own. I have Robbie help me when I need help. Um, it's something that you need some coaching for. So, equipment is absolutely a part of that equation. And maybe it's maybe in your like for my equation, it's not currently because my equipment is perfect. Okay. But I'll make sure it's perfect for me. Yeah. And maybe as I get older, that's going to evolve a little bit, and I'll need different equipment. But I love my equipment, so I'm good. I know it's maximized for me, and that helps me play more consistently. But there is a good chance that you, the listener, maybe maybe there's some room for growth here. It could be a driver. Yep. It could be a better putter for you. It could be a better wedge for you. I mean, you could have a wedge that digs too much. You could have a wedge that has too much bounce. You could have irons that are too hot. You could have irons that are not forgiving enough. Like, there's oh. all these things that could play into it. I see a lot of people who just assume that just be, because the club's newer, that it's better for them. And you do not need to make that assumption. Like, you need to go get your equipment checked just to see, hey, like Eric said, like, can you check that box of is it a lie angle issue? Is it a length issue? Is it. The club? Are you, are you hooking the ball uh, with a with a draw biased head? Like that's the kind of stuff. Just check that box off, please. Yeah, and 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 the casual golfer who maybe is making this commitment to golf in twenty twenty four to improve. Maybe and now something's changed in my life. I got more time. I've got more money potentially. You know, I got more yep. expendable, so I can put more into this game. If you've been if you bought a maybe you bought your clubs off the rack, you weren't custom fit like and now you can do it. Get get that assessment. Like you should be able and again, if you have a good coach, it's likely that coach is a very good understanding of the equipment. Okay? Like 
coaching and fitting are very, very much, in my opinion, tied together. And good coaches really understand the equipment. So I think that's something to, to look into in 2024. And our last and probably most important part of this whole equation, eh, they're all important. This one's really interesting, though, is in 2024, learn to train slash practice for improvement. And I know that everybody thinks they're put, you know, like most of us say, well, what, why else would I practice? I'm trying to get better. Not necessarily. Okay. Um, yeah. Robbie, Robbie, you detailed this a little bit ago where you said like a lot of times we're, when we practice, we just want to hit, we want to feel good. Like we want to hit it and yes. go like, man, I can hit, I can hit that shot. Like now we that design I'm, our environment to reduce error. And that is right. Not the right. And, thing and to do. so point being like, I'll let you go through this, but like, my seventh seven iron in off the flat lie and I'm flushing it, you know, one through six yeah. might've been not great, but seven through 12 are awesome. And now I feel good. Does that translate on the course? You know, does that really translate to me playing better golf? So we have said on this podcast, if we said it once, we've said it 20 times, most people practice in a way that keeps them exactly how they are. At best, yeah. So how do we practice in a way that makes us better? Like how do I how do I go from getting a lesson, understanding my metrics, doing all that, and then taking that to the to the practice facility and learning how to practice something in a way that improves it for my yeah. scoring purposes? Yeah, so this will be probably just a mini version of the of the uh, of the episode that we did in uh, in season one. But I think it starts with why are you going to the range today? Are you going to train in a way that is going to help you acquire a skill that you don't already have, or a skill that you're trying to develop, or are you going to the range to train to perform? And the answer to that question is going to determine a lot about how you need to structure your environment. So if you're trying to perform, the behavior and the representativeness of that environment has to be as, I'll say, as, yeah, as representative as possible to what you're going to do when you go play. So every shot that you hit, there's a level of uncertainty about how this environment is going to affect your shot. So... During your practice, you need to go through the process of predicting how the environment is going to influence your golf ball and predicting if you do X with this golf club, you might expect to see Y. There's, a, there's an entire behavior of creating a shot, of finding a solution to this problem that needs to be present during that performance training. Right, so a great couple quotes that you can kind of take with you. It's not repeating the solution. It's repeating finding a solution. So that's probably my favorite quote is, is really you're trying to work on the skill of finding a solution. And then adding to that, what are you going to do? Like what is literally the entire behavior of hitting that shot? You're going to pull the club out of the bag. You're going to start from behind the golf ball. You're going to walk into, you're going to take your breaths. You're going to walk into the golf ball. You're going to assemble your grip. You're going to get your posture and your stance and everything. You might do a waggle. You might swing it back. And then where is your attentional focus during that golf swing? 
And a lot of times when we get stuck in the range, our attention goes into things that aren't directly relevant. So, you know, our attention might be on our left foot or our right elbow or, or things that might be relevant to trying to swing the club better, but aren't directly relevant to the shot that you're trying to hit. So there are only mm-hmm. a couple things that are directly relevant, which would be the target where you're trying to hit it, um, the shot, how you're trying to get it there. And then anything in terms of the skill that produces that shot. So impact spot on the face, face direction relative to target or path and club head speed. So I'm a huge mm-hmm. component or sorry, proponent of, when you're performance training, be aware of where your attentional focus is when you're actually doing the motion. Because I can't tell you how many times I'll ask people like in performance training, like, you know, what were you thinking about? And like at impact, they'll like, they'll say something like, Oh, I was, I was thinking about, you know, what I'm doing with my right shoulder. And so (laughs) golf is a target sport remember that so like Mm -hmm. it's one of the few sports where you aren't looking at the target as you're doing the motion as you're doing the motion so if you're thinking of your right shoulder your brain's probably losing awareness or losing connection to that target so that's a huge deal when it comes to performance is is acquiring the target holding that target where we're placing our attention is huge now that's for performance training. So we talked about how if you have variability in your training, that gives you the opportunity to search and find a new solution. That would be the first part. Number two, the behavior needs to stay representative of what you're going to do when you go play. And then number three, your attentional focus, where you're placing your spotlight of consciousness during the motion needs to be, again, representative of where your attention is when you're playing your best. I can guarantee you that your attention is probably not internal in terms of what you're doing with your body as you're hitting the golf ball when you're playing well. And you can listen to good tour players say after the round, oh, I was really thinking about this X swing thought or Y swing thought. That's fine. That's great. But I can virtually guarantee you that it's an intention of what they're trying to do, not necessarily where they're placing their attention. Those are two mm-hmm. different things. The research yeah. is overwhelmingly clear. Your attention needs to be something external during the actual collision of the golf ball. So be aware of your attention. Now, if you are training to acquire a new skill or develop a skill that you don't already have, that's a very different environment. I would say that there are certain things that need to be representative, but your entire behavior, your entire environment doesn't need to still remain coupled. So we talk about this perception-action coupling. Your perception of the environment needs to be coupled with the action for performance training. I would say that for learning, I would would take a little bit of a step back with that. I'm a huge fan of if you're going out to try to learn, have feedback. Have some way of knowing what is going on. That could be Dr. Scholl's foot spray on the club face. That could be a stick out in front of you to be aware of where the ball's starting. If you're working on something swing-wise, that could be a barrier that the club has to either hit or miss in swing to be able to say, okay, between what you're trying to do with your coach, do you know if what you're doing is quote-unquote 
correct or within a, a functional boundary or not. And if it is, great. Uh, you don't learn it by trying to do it over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> again, another <laughs> myth. You learn it by, A, having time in between. So you literally have to forget what you're trying to do in order to remember. And that act of remembering is what allows you to encode it, whatever you want to call it, into long-term memory. So there has to be a forgetting process and a remembering process. There also needs to be variability. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that's something that you and I talked about a couple years ago that changed, for me, how I practice and how I kind of help my students practice. You know, this is just growth mindset, right? Like. The, yes, it's easy to get into this rhythm of like I'm gonna hit, I hit it good. I'm gonna try to get reps in. I'm gonna, I'm like in this, and you're like, no, 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 just like completely put the club, forget about it for a second, like get your mind off, and then have this big, you know, I can't remember the exact terminology that you use, but it's like spacing. Um, have this big cognitive cognitive moment where you like have to, you know, draw oh, back yes. all those feels, yes. right, like. And it's such a powerful thing. So what I've been doing in my lessons, which people don't realize I'm doing this, I just do it. Like they hit a couple good ones. I'm like, oh my gosh, they're on this thing, right? They're they're getting this thing right. Okay. Yes. I'll just I just step over top of the ball and talk to them about something. For just a talk to them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's 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 in a way to. I mean, it could be chit chatty sometimes. Sometimes it's just like I want to try to break their focus, right? Like, yes. I'm like, oh man, that was awesome. Like, are you playing in the couples twilight this weekend? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're playing. Nice. Who's your yeah. partner? Oh, okay, okay. You know, okay. Okay, cool. Let's let's hit that shot again. Okay, let's go through that. Let's yeah. hit that shot again. Let's go through the process and hit it. And you can see yeah. them recall, recall, right? Like I'm recalling everything I'm trying to do, and then there's this big like nerve central nervous system load that's just like you yes. know on that boom, and they execute it again. And then I'll go like, see, I did that on purpose. Like I literally broke your yes. rhythm because this is how I want you to practice. That's like, golf. I want you to start. Yeah, I want you to start creating that space in between, and it's still a, a form of repetitive practice, but it's more—it's broken up, and it's a bigger. It's, it's a, making it's a you more do the work cognitively. Yes, correct. Absolutely. So it's a—it's a yeah. So it goes back to solving the puzzle, but it's like what you were saying, kind of to frame that again. What you think the you know to to summarize a little—not that you're done, but just to kind of where we are. Like, yeah. You need to train to perform and you need to train to acquire skills. And those are two different things, right? Like, yes. And, and those are the things that I think that people a lot of times think they're training for skills most of the time. Like if you go to, what are you doing? Oh, I'm yes. working on this. Okay. That's some type of movement skill they're trying to accomplish or, or whatever. And then there's, but how do I get that to, to the golf course? <laughs> like how right. do they're I, half and, doing, and to your, they're half doing both of them and they're not really aware of it. Yeah. And, <laughs> Yeah. We're just not pushing forward. And, and and you were given that visual of like tour players and where their their focus is when they're playing. And it's like if you watch like just go back and watch some highlights of like Tiger Woods at the Memorial Tournament or something like Tiger Woods chip in at Augusta when he when he chipped that ball in from the from the back of the 16. His attention and his focus and it, like oh my gosh. he was so in tune to solving the equation, right? Like yes, he's up on the green, he's looking around. And he'll tell you he's like, yeah, and it's just like, 
and then you see him see he's seeing it he's seeing the solution right yes then he's feeling the solution with whatever he's doing in his hands and then he executes it beautifully yes but the point is like tiger is tiger knew that like tiger knows he's doing that right if you were to film and i think this is something like we're going to see technology invade the world of performance like in ways we never envisioned and somebody was talking i think it was dave phillips or someone was talking about he envisions drones that can follow you around the course right like hey robbie you're you know eric can you help me with my yeah well i'm gonna send the drone out with you today like get some data (laughs) and like film you and like you know it's it's funny but it could happen who knows when right oh absolutely Um, and if you were to film you know, your 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 country club golfer, right? That maybe struggles with that application on the course of like you, you see them and Tiger's up looking at the target, to your point, like seeing the landing spot, seeing the t- like their head is down, right? Yes. And they're like everything is so internally focused. Yes. And they take a practice swing and if they don't keep their head perfectly still, then they're you know, and there's no focus on the target. And I told the story about the lady that I was asking where she was aiming. She had never thought about aiming at targets before her whole career of golf. And all she did was start aiming. And it was, and she's played so much better. So as you're thinking about your practice, you've got to, you've got to space it out these ways. Like what am I working on and how do I get it to be an application to play better golf on the golf course? I always tell my students, this is kind of how I work through it in, in the sort of, development of skill is like you work on how you're hitting it on the face then you work at controlling the ball flight and then you work at some optimization of that skill set like hitting it further or hitting it higher or hitting it you know curving it on command like that's the hierarchy and if you don't if you're not working up from contact you're not you're not doing it the right way i'm sorry like you've got to work up from contact so anyway i didn't want to cut you off but i thought i thought that was Really good. I just want to reiterate some of the stuff that you said yes. that I thought was really, really yeah. good there. And we were kind of getting into that, like, okay, now if I'm if I'm trying to do a more skill based practice, right? Like yes. I'm learning to have a skill. And so it's it's this big cognitive taking space in between strong recall. That'll be strong, the first, right? You know, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in let's assume that you're intentional about what you're doing. Right. So you've you're again these these small sets of very intentional um, tasks, right? And you've got feedback. You know if there's no room for for subjectivity here. You know after each rep if that was within your bandwidth or not, right? Mm-hmm. And then as you start to be aware of your success rate, right? If that success rate is getting higher, you're adding in time in between to try to forget in order to remember. The second thing you're going to want to do is increase the variability of that skill. So add some sort of extra piece to that recipe, right? So let's say you're working on contact. Let's say you're using a seven iron as you're doing this. Say, okay, I'm going to do the same drill, but now I've got to switch clubs every time, right? And then after that point, let's say that you've been able to do that, then we've got to decrease the bandwidth. That'd be level three, right? So now instead of having, you know, a quarter or sorry, instead of having a full inch between your heel and your toe strike, maybe now you only have a half inch, right? And then at that point, right, then there's got to be maybe some consequences. Like if you don't get it, then something happens. 
Um, this is where the stand and deliver or stand or deliver <laughs> game that Ian shared that uh, Stuart Morgan does with his students is perfect. Mm. Um, so you'll have to go back and, and listen to that episode for that one. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, at that point, like that's, that's all the things. And you can think about like how much time that might take. I mean, that's a full session right there. Like going from, mm. going from time to variability to uh, the challenge increasing, basically making your uh, range, uh, margin of error smaller, and then having some sort mm-hmm. of consequence. Like, I don't see anybody doing that. <laughs> no, very few, no. and, and, I, and, and I, very few. Yeah, very few, and very and very few. Like in short game, you know, I try to scale. I just call it the nine. Like if you're working on short game, like I call it the nine ball drill. It, you know, at the can I can I take nine balls around the green and scale it to my goal set? Like maybe I'm setting and I'm gonna and this is an effort to have one shot. Like I'm, I get one shot at these, like I have on the course, right? So yep. I'm gonna put nine balls around the green. Really, one ball, clear the green. Have one ball, the ball that you play yeah, with so on this the course, be more of right? Like performance, yep. Mm-hmm. And th- this is definitely on the performance side. And this is like, but again, what you're saying is I, we need to challenge, like we got to challenge ourselves to get better and have some consequence at the end of the deal. Right. So if I do that, I got to, maybe you give yourself depending on your playing level. And this is what I try to do with my, with whoever it is I'm talking to. If it's, if you're an elite player, it's a six feet and in, I mean, that's what we're trying to get. And maybe it's seven out of nine or whatever, you know, you're you're trying to scale it in a way that's appropriate. (laughs) If you're a level one player, it might be 20 feet from the the hole, right on the, on the green, 20 feet from the hole. And you're going to have that hopefully, you know, seven out of nine or whatever you set that you set that challenge point for yourself. That yes. you're, if you do it the first time and it's four, now you got your challenge point, right? Like, yeah, okay, exactly. what do I need to do to get better? And so you do it, and it, and then the consequence might simply be, all right, if I don't get seven, no wine at dinner. You know, like I don't know, right, like yeah. something, just something that's that, the, something that's, that's like that's why the objectivity of it is so crucial if you're doing skill development because you have to know you have to say okay i just did this task what was my success rate with that task and when i like nobody knows like if you ask if you go down the range they're just they're giving themselves like very vague feedback like oh that one felt good oh that one felt bad oh that one felt good let me try to do that again (laughs) right and they just like and here's that's what they're doing and this is why i put the bullet points in these orders right because I wanted to, I wanted to create this full circle picture, which I'm about to do. Which is, oh, if I understand who I, if I understand who I am as a player, because I keep good stats, and I take a good yeah. lesson, okay, from a good coach, and I've got this, I've got this relationship. Then when I'm challenging myself in my practice, I know exactly what skills I need to get to the next level. And this is go. where golfers get stuck. They just don't know what they got to do to get better. They don't know. And you could play golf your entire life and just have, who knows? Like if I'm a four handicap, what do I need to do to get better? What do I need to do to get better? Well, I don't know. Like, let's talk about it. Like, I've got some baseline stuff for scratch player for zero hand. You know, whatever you're scoring at. Let's say scoring yeah. average is 77, and I want it to be 73. Well, I've got some baseline stuff. Let's use GameForge. We'll get the answer, yes. right? Like, we'll know proximities on short game shots, how many penalties and disruptors I have. Like, I'm gonna know the answer, and then when I take that lesson, they're gonna say, "Hey, you know, like, you're really good at. You're really good at your." 40 to 70 yard wedge is like 
way better than players of your level. That's something we need to pay less attention to in your practice. We don't have to push that to to get better. Yeah, we but don't guess have to, what? to in your, in your, negate it, but as a proportion of no, 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 you don't. Spent, yeah, correct. And but where your skill is lacking is in your putts from ten to thirty feet or something. Yeah. you know, there's some answer out there. And so when it's in the full swing part, that's a more challenging thing to understand. Like, hey, you know, am I greens and regulation? Where am I missing it? What am I, you know, that's an interpretation yeah, of data that you've got to work on. There. Yeah, and that's not easy. But that's where the full swing skill lies yes. in dispersion. So go back to the bonus episode from, from, from season one, and you'll learn about dispersion. But the point being um, – that's the full circle, is it not? <laughs> Understand where I'm yes. starting. Figure out, set a goal, get a coach. You know, make sure your equipment isn't holding you back one way or another. And then you have this full circle of, hey, if I'm going to put more time in, that time has got to be working on the skills I need to get better and in a way that actually makes them better. Yes. Which is the, which is the thing that I'm just telling you, golfers, myself included, for a long – like it's hard to – wrap your mind around that right but what rob is talking about what we're talking about here is it's totally doable it's totally doable it's not easy and it's not comfortable all the time but you can push your skill set to improve i know that you can and if you've plateaued that's what this whole thing is about we know you can get better 2024 is going to be the year so to summarize, unless you have anything else on training there i'm good no um, that's it learn or perform i think figure out what you're doing you, you got it. So to summarize, um, in 2024, we're going to keep good stats, right? We're going to set some really good goals that challenge us to get better. We're going to find a coach and take at least one lesson to try to see if we can set up that relationship for, for improvement, have them interpret what we're doing and set a game plan. We're going to make sure just check it off the list that our equipment is helping us and not hurting us. And then we're going to practice in a way that makes us better. That's it. Yep. Five things we're probably not doing. Love it. So those are the those are the things we wanted to talk about today. I think 2024 is going to be a great year. And I did want to do a little teaser. I'm going to have Rob tease it here um, on what our next series is going to be about. So I don't want you to give them too much, but like yep. just enough to make them hungry and a little bit like. And then I'm going to ask the, the listener one thing after you after you give a little teaser here. So we are going to do a deep dive on reducing your shots to green, which if you're listening to this podcast, that's probably the thing that needs to get better is <laughs> your shots to green. How are yeah, you going to do we that? Said there's well, we're going to start. We're going to start up near the green, and then we're going to work all the way back to the tee. So we're going to break down all of what happens inside shots to green and the skills that you need to think about and develop to reduce those shots to green from the green all the way back to the tee. What it is and how to, how to do it. I can't wait for that. And so if you, the listener feel like you've learned something from this episode, I'm going to ask you to share it with a couple people you think can learn something from it. That's all I'm asking just as a favor. We, um, we feel like we come on and share with you and we're glad to help. We're getting a lot of good feedback so what we're saying is maybe there's some people in your life, and you know what's interesting is we were talking about like podcasts don't really get shared, right? Like if you see a video that's cool or like something on Instagram or whatever or Facebook, that stuff gets shared over 
social yes. media, but there's no social aspect really around you know Apple Podcasts or whatever. There's no algorithms. There's no none of that really right. exists. So basically, we're just out there in the stratosphere hoping people like us and they they stumble upon us. If you're a listener and you find a couple people to share. You know, you can go on Apple Podcasts and just hit share episode. It's really pretty easy. And you can text somebody or maybe you can post it to your socials and say, hey, you could listen. You can learn from this, buddy. I've watched you play and you need you need some help. So you, you need an intervention. <laughs> you need a, like if you know a couple of people that need an intervention, share yes. it with them. That's all we're asking you to do. You can't imagine how much that would mean to us. So we're just asking you to do that for us. So that's all for yep. today. Um, happy New Year to everybody! I hope everybody had a great holiday yep. season. Happy New Year, everyone! I know, I know, we did in my house, and um, I'm looking forward to a great 2024. We'll be back next week with the first part of the series on reducing your shots to the green. I'm fired up. Have fired up! Cheers. <laughs>